0: Hello folks, welcome back to Quartzell Wellness. I'm your host, Brandon St. Croix, former athlete and current sports social worker. On today's episode, we are joined by Kenneth Scott, former student athlete at the University of Utah, former professional athlete, five-time author, public speaker, and the list continues. Kenneth joins us to discuss his experience of being a student athlete, his experience of going through mental health hurdles. Ken also discusses how he received the name Batman and what that means for his legacy at the University of Utah. Thank you, and stay well. And folks, we're back to Courtside Wellness. Today joining us Courtside is Kenneth Scott, former student athlete of the University of Utah, where you earned two degrees, professional athlete, recording artist, Five-time author, and the list goes on. So, Ken, thanks for joining us here on Corsair Wellness today. Really appreciate having me on.
1: Oh, man. Thank you so much, Brandon, for having me on. It's a pleasure. Always love enjoying uh, the conversations around, you know, student-athletes and being more than it. So, this is definitely right on par.
0: So, tell us a bit about yourself in terms of your own experience of being a student-athlete and kind of how you were able to put the pieces together to grow yourself as more than just an athlete.
1: Yeah, for me, it started off as a young kid. You know, I was born in Galveston, raised in California. And as I was being raised in California, I I was uh, being raised by a sick mother. My mother had lupus. And so, you know, growing up, you know, all the pressures of trying to not only survive, but trying to make it to live in regards to you know, the financial standpoint, living off of Section 8 food stamps and public housing and different welfare programs, it made me hunger for that even more to try to get to the next level in terms of how can I provide for my mother. And so for me, football was that vehicle uh, to get me to a destination to where I can, you know, one day take care of her to relieve all the pressures that I was going through. And so going through high school, Uh, My my main thing was like just that, like, how can I be a top level recruit so that I can be able to get a free education to where I can then, you know, parlay that into many other things. And so out of high school, I was the number 34 ranked uh, wide receiver at my position. So I was able to get a lot of uh, (laughs) a lot of attention from the college recruiters as far as where I want to go to school, which alleviated some pressure uh, from my mother and also my stepfather not the time to having to pay for things as far as the education. And so that pressure of, man, I got to do it. I got to make it and finally be able to make it to the next level was, was something I was uh, joyful about. And then transitioning to college, I chose the university of Utah. A lot of people thought I was crazy. About going to Utah because the culture is different. You know, I'm coming from a an area where it's minority heavy, and now you're going to the exact opposite spectrum. And so, a lot of people were weary at first, but over time, it you know paid dividends for me as far as how I developed as a person. Um, there was many times during my collegiate career where you know my mental health got to me um, in regards to like how I fit in, how I can you know adjust to the transition and things of that nature. And so there's three moments in my college career that I always tell people about that kind of changed the trajectory of where I was headed. And the first one was in 2010, which was my first year in college, you know, a week before the first game. And I made it a crack to the 2D about to uh, play as a freshman. You know, I tore the ligaments out of my ankle and completely uh, ruined my season to where I couldn't play that season. And so after that, that was my first major injury. And so I had to figure out, man. What do I do next? Like, what happens if I'm never able to play football again? Like, what what's going to happen? And so I, I went into a deep, dark depression. Like, I didn't want to talk to anybody. I wanted to go back home. and But luckily for me, I had a coach who believed in me and believed in my abilities that was like, no, nah, I'm not going to let you go back home, right? I'm, I'm going to be there for you. I'm going to help you out. And he helped me tremendously. He allowed me to stay with him in his in his house. And, and he took care of me to where um, mentally, I was on par to get back to my old self, and if it wasn't for him, then I would have went back home, and who would have known what I would have done? You know, I would have been in the streets or whatever with my friends, and so that pivotal moment changed the trajectory. And then following after that was the 2011 year when I was coming back from that injury, and you know, everybody knows me. You know, I'm very passionate, very prideful. I'm an energetic guy, so when I step on the field, even though I wasn't physically ready, in to in my mind, I was ready. All right. And so I had to figure out the pressures of coming back to not only who I was before, but try to be better then. And so all that pressure and anxiety just riled up like a volcano to the point where I wasn't even able to finish that spring ball when I came in back to playing football, because mentally. With all the pressures I was going through, I wasn't able to emotionally be intelligent enough to be competent enough to be able to stand in that position. And so they admitted me into counseling where I had to spend sessions of of just learning, you know, how to deal and cope with different mental health challenges uh, to get me prepared mentally back on the field. And so that was another step. And the last one was in 2013, where it's supposed to be a big season for me. Um, A Hall of Fame coach is supposed to be coming in. And unfortunately, in the first game, nine plays into it. I'm on the left side, running up the field, blocking for my running back. He catches the ball gets tackled, and he lands on my other ankle and tore all the ligaments out of my other ankle. And this year was supposed to be huge for me in regards to my draft stock and and potentially possibly leaving, right? Because I was a, a, a 6'3", 215, 220. I'm a big prime receiver, right? I had a good year the, the year before. And so this year would have been huge, statistically speaking, too. And so after I got injured that year, you know, in that that, that prime year, I was like, man, really? You know, and and it really hit me even harder because not only did I make it back from before, but I got to the position where I was better than I was before. And now I'm getting right back knocked down. And so that was challenging for me. But luckily, you know, I had people in my corner to help me and think of football isn't everything. And, you know, it was cool to hear my mother say that to me. It was like, man, I love you as a football player, baby. But, you know, football is not the only thing that you can do with your life you know? And luckily I had, you know, my girlfriend at the time, which is now my fiance, but she was there for me. And it it, it provided to me that, you know, education is super important. And so I was able to not only get one degree, but I got two degrees, right? One in human development and family studies, because I just wanted to understand and learn how the you know humans develop in regards to their cognitive and everything and their backgrounds of where they came from and socioeconomically how that can impact and then also i got the second degree in economics because i love data and analytics and so i just had one to marry the two so i could figure out the percentages to see like how can we increase it or how can we decrease so I wanted to marry those two. And so for me, it seemed like the injuries played a a huge pivotal part for me to kind of open up that curtain and say, hey, football isn't everything. There's other things that that you're great at and passionate and skillful at that you need to go down. And for me, that's how I got into speaking. So during my time, I'll go to detention centers, suicide prevention centers. I will go to, I will perform live at many places. And and just speak and and, and do music and it allowed me to have a broad scale of my my skill set, and so that's how I was able to in college maximize the time you know throughout it because of those injuries. Fortunately for me, that you know educationally I was good. My passions, whether it's writing, speaking, music, I was able to elaborate on it too uh, with them. And so transitioning from the the field, you know after. Professionally, I got an opportunity with the Los Angeles Rams. And then after I got cut, that played a damper. I'm like, man, here I go. Like, I made it. And now I'm not making it, you know? And it's like back to reality. Oh, I'm not Case Scott the football player no more. Now I'm something else. And then when I went to the CFL, you know, and signed with the Montreal Alouettes. And then, okay, I'm a football player again. Then I get cut. Okay, now I'm not a football player again. Okay, so what's going on? So it's this constant evolution of who you are, your identity just keeps on shifting, you know, based on the occupation at that time. And so, you know, after I transitioned, you know, what I, what I took from it was how to not look at it as a loss and look at more to what I gained from it. And so for me, that paid dividends because I was like, you know what? Yeah, I'm going to take off this jersey, but I got this other jersey underneath me that I can, that I can use for. And so I try to not tag my occupation with who i am i try to just do the opposite like i i am this and these are the other things that come out from it and one of the analogies that i use is that you know i have many vehicles in my garage that i can use to get to my destination or whatever i want to become and so that's that's sort of the the figure that i you know what well, analogy i tell people but you know that's just a little bit of background and a long long version of it of how i've grown to become more than an athlete through those pressures of going through what I was going through, the anxiety, depression, and just everything, all those range of emotions and finally able to feel free again
0: and hold. And one thing, Kenneth, that spoke to me, and again, there's numerous different aspects that that really stood out there in terms of being able to turn situation to something positive in terms of realizing, okay, I have so many different vehicles, like I say, in my garage. And again, having a degree that's useful because one thing we know around student-athletes is oftentimes the student part comes second we know that oftentimes it's okay you know you're practicing at 6 a.m you're running the class you're mm-hmm. running back for a workout you're on the road for tournament you're on the road for games you know what there's no time to be a student right so how are you able to get two degrees in the time and what was it that helped for your mindset to be able to focus on being a student
1: yeah for me it came down to time management I'm very OCD about organization, um, and so just how we have periods in football to let us know, like, okay, this is five minute warm up, then we're going to go to position drills and team drills, and that, you know, I structured my days out the same. And so for me, like in the morning, obviously I had you know weights workouts, and then you guys class afterwards. And so where there was where there were time slots where I didn't have anything, I tried to plug in what I'm passionate about to keep me energized and energetic. So a lot of times where you know, whether it's in the off season, it's the weekends. OK, well, let me fit music into it. Like, you know, it's where I can go out and perform places. And so I did a lot of outreach and, and I shoot growing my following on social media, too, with the with the the supporters of the the university to figure out how I connect with them. And that kind of broadened it as well. So uh, for me, just figuring out my schedule, those time slots where it
0: is empty, filling it in with something I'm passionate about so it can keep me energized and going. And it's great. You were able to apply so many different areas of life, again, into that student experience. Mm-hmm. I got to ask, because, again, I'm so curious. 2011, they said, you okay, will we're going to make you into counseling. What's the first thought going through your mind? Because, again, we're going back 10 years. And again, the stigma of mental health and sports is yeah. still pretty real at that point. We're still, you know, we're shattering it now. But I'm going back 10 years. So, again, we're talking a pretty heavy stigma. So what was the mindset at the time when, that, when the coach or the trainer came to you about that? Yeah, when my coach told me
1: that's that's what the plan was, I was like, man, do they think I'm crazy or something? (laughs) So like, I'm like, man, I'm not crazy, you know, or or anything of that nature. Like, I, I just, man, it's just like the circumstances just overtaking me, and 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 at first I had a, a a very bad view on on therapy. I'm like, man, only crazy people go there, but then. You know, once I got in there and I sat on that chair and I was across from the lady talking to her, you know, through various emotions that I expressed, you know, it was more of it was just having natural conversations and like talking through and walking through each step of said situation. So we'll break it down. Okay, this is the situation and we've made us aware of it um and then just took a step by step and kind of rekindling it back to like reverse engineer it to see where the root of it was and then once we figured out that root then we can make like um you know educated decisions on how we can best like channel energy to you know fix the root of that cause and so that was amazing to me you know i spent a whole shoot it was like six months three sessions like a. Think it was three sessions a week. I had Monday, Wednesday, Friday based on my – and it was just, man, I'm going every – just to have – it was really open conversations, which was really helpful. But uh, at first, I had a stigma like everybody else, like, man, I ain't crazy. But then when I got in there, I was like, oh, this is cool. It's just like another one of my buddies. So it was pretty
0: cool, an unbiased buddy. <laughs> and that's the thing. Once that rapport is built, and I think it speaks to, again, being able to have – counselors and mental health providers who also understand the culture and the language of sport. Because again, mm-hmm. I'm not sure if this was in your case, but again, having someone that understands what a first down means in football or what a 24-second shot clock means in basketball, you know, yeah. that goes a long way. Because again, when you're talking that language and the counselors looking at you like their heads, that has to be hard to be able to relate, but being able to have that connection. And again, I'm not sure if that's your experience or not, but again, being able to feel that rapport and that comfortability is definitely a key component yeah, without a doubt, like having them understand your background a little bit, it allows
1: you to open up even more and be more vulnerable. And that, you know, the more vulnerable you are, the more it reaps connection. And so um, that both parties can benefit from because you get to go deeper um, into the conversation. And so, yeah, the, the, having that rapport built was was huge, especially with them knowing a little bit about the background. So that,
0: that's that's really key. And it sounds like the coaches at the university had a good understanding of mental well-being, mental wellness. Because, again, a lot of coaches, teams, organizations would say, okay, you're injured, you're going back home, or we're removing you from team. But the fact that the coach was like, no, we're keeping you on the team, we're keeping you close, again, th- that shows of how important it is of not just the physical well-being of the athlete, but the mental and emotional side as well. For sure. And, and one of the, the things that we
1: incorporated in our football team, which was amazing is that every fall camp, you know, every fall camp is where all the new guys come in as well. And we're getting ready to head into the season through the grunt work of two a days and so forth. And before that, what we do is we break off our team into different groups of like nine or 10. Like everybody has a group and they go in these individual rooms. And basically what happens is someone goes up in front of the room, they share their life story they become open and vulnerable so that we can get to know who they are and also they can get to know who we are. Uh, and Everybody does it. They go up to the room, everybody tells their story. But what that does is that in those moments where it's hard on the field, there's moments where it's discomfort, there's challenges, there's opposition, adversities. Right? You can look that person in the face and say, I have your back. And they know that you have your back because you have that connection and that rapport with them because you know what makes them tick and uh, makes them going and gets them up. And so with the, with our university, man, uh, especially the football team, when they incorporated that, that's when we just kept on growing and growing and growing and growing as a team because we truly became a family.
0: And was it common practice or was that kind of something new that was started at the University of Utah around you know, having a connection to mental health sports for athletes?
1: Yeah, it started in our leadership council. Um, what happened was every summer, we have our leadership council go to a cabin, right? And we do leadership type of, I guess, games or activities. And the purpose is to, okay, after this leadership, you know, leadership academy summit that we attend, once we get back to our team, you guys need to implement it amongst your team. But they took it a step further and was like, hey, I know this one group is doing it, but now let's. Put it into all the whole team and so um once we we even had a i think we had a yeah we, we had a sports psychologist on staff as well i remember the first years when we got there they included a sports psychologist which is truly helpful um you know to to come and speak to our team about different things just to make us aware of what's going on and i think that's the first step is just you know bringing that awareness to people because they're like man i didn't know what that was. And so once you make people aware, that's when things can start become better. You can fix um, problems before they get too out of hand.
0: And I'm just thinking, imagine if we had those supports at the high school level. So even before Athens got to college, because can imagine too, you know, you're going from being a big fish in a small pond to, like I said, you're going to the college level, which is a whole nother game. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you're used to being the star. And now was like, okay, no, I'm, I'm riding a point for maybe the first season or, you know, I'm barely getting hit in the field. So I can imagine transitions. And then, like I said, going through injuries, like I said, 2010, 2013, going through major injuries. Mm -hmm. How did you cope with that? Or what was the coping like in comparison from 2010 to 2013? So pre-counseling to post-counseling.
1: It allowed me to, like from pre-counseling to post-counseling, it allowed me to understand the process better. Like, okay i already been through this. This is what the process is. And I just have to stay present in the moment and just take it one step, one step at a time. Because before, I didn't know what the end was going to be. I was like, man, this seemed like a never-ending battle. And so going through it again, (laughs) same time, you know, the second time, I'm like, okay, I remember this feeling and I'm not trying to feel that again. How can I better do it this time than what I did last time? And so the second time around, it allowed me and open my mind up to different things. I'm like, okay, I'm just going to take this time and be present. Like instead of, you know, I was in my first year, I was working so hard to just get back, get back to the field. You know, all I was thinking about was football, 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 and like trying to get back. And I was just excluding everybody out because I'm like, man, this is, this is what I'm focusing on. Like from relationships to like, and it caused resentment from people and, you know, 2013, it was a little different. I'm like, hey, I've been through this before. I know I'm gonna come back. I it was I was more confident about the approach and the process. And you know, during that time, I did so many things outside of football because I knew football was gonna come back. I knew it, um, but it allowed me to do other things. I during that time, I was coaching basketball, <laughs> high school basketball in the off season. You know, I was obviously doing my music. I was. You know, what I do is flash fiction, like little short stories. And so I was teaching kids how to, you know, tell stories. <laughs> uh, you know, so it was just a lot of things I was doing, keynote speaking, doing a lot of community work um, out there. And so during that second time and going through counseling, it made me more aware that, you know, I can be more than an athlete or more than just football.
0: I have multiple vehicles in my garage. And in terms of like all that pressure, let's switch gears a bit there and talk about it with the pressure. So the pressure, No Match for Purpose. Mm-hmm. That's your book series that you've come up with. I mm-hmm. want to say it's a five book series. Four books. Yep. Four book series. So you got one for students, one for college, one for graduates, and a deluxe version. Mm-hmm. Yes. So break it down for me. How did this come to be? Again, obviously, the passion for writing was already there. Mm-hmm. So what was it that inspired this series of books?
1: yeah so the deluxe edition is high school college and graduates all in one and then each one is individual and so i'll start off with high school so high school there's always a pressure of how can i get to the next level right you see your friends and your friends getting all this buzz and you're like man but i'm just as talented as them and even though they may not be at your school they could be at another school but you feel the pressure like man I gotta do it too. I want to become this, and so you anxiety comes, and you don't, it's your senior year. You don't have no offers, and so it's really teaching them how to enjoy the process and building their brand within the process. So it focuses on not only you as a person, but the steps to take to get to the college and transition to become a full human being, and knowing that the pressure of you trying to get to college is it's kind of it's not as grand as you think of it. So in the high school section. I teach them about building their brand, you know, knowing who they are, taking the steps, and finding a target in the audience in regards to getting to college. And then once you get to college, figuring out what's the right fit for you, and once to figure out the right fit fit for you, then finish strong and complete all your academic work and so forth. And so within the book, it, it gives stories, and also at the end of each chapter, it's a workbook so that they can write their own story within it and goals and stuff like that. So each chapter is like a you, you go back and recap the chapter based on your story. So that's what's pretty cool about it. Um, the college version is how can you leverage your brand, right? And so it it speaks on four areas, the field, uh, classroom, community, and social media. So on the field, you know, how are you, Maximizing your, your, your performance and your image and your exposure on the field, obviously the, on the field performance is the key to entry to anything, especially nowadays with NIL, Um, but you know, your performance is the key to entry. Next is how can we uh, secure the bag, which means, you know, the, the education, like how can we secure that? So it talks about educational piece, then the community, how can you stamp your legacy? Because it, you know, everybody's going to have to retire at some point in time. Nobody is going to play sports forever. Right. Um, But what's going to last longer than your playing days is how you develop relationships outside of the field. And so that's what the community part is so impactful about. And I love that piece of it. And I give a story about when a little kid came up to me um, and called me, said, thank you, Batman, after I signed him an autograph. and Because you know, back in, in college, they called me Batman because of the, the items that I went through and how I kept on persevering. And me, I, didn't have any, I don't have any superpowers, just like Batman doesn't have superpowers. But the only thing that's different from Batman than the other superheroes is that his resilience, his grit, his strategy, his want to, his know-how, and, and his passion for the community. He loves Gotham City. And he wants to Gotham City to be the best. And so, you know, they quoted me as Salt Lake's Batman. Right. And so when the kid came up to me, when I signed the autograph and said, thank you, Batman, you know, I'm thinking he's just saying thank you because I signed the autograph. But really, he was saying thank you because he's seen how I handled the injury in 2013 and knowing how much that season meant to me and where it was supposed to take me and how I approached it, because he used my story as motivation for him to beat cancer. And so I was like, that's, what's, that's what it's all about. It's not really the, the accolades that you receive through the sports, how you take on the sport and your approach to it, which is gonna help somebody else. And so that's what shifted my mindset. And so um, it talks about community and then also it talks about social media, how you grow your network uh, through the supporters and the fans and branch out. So the college edition is really how to leverage your brand. And then the graduates edition, whether you graduated high school and transitioned to the real life or you graduated college and transitioned to the real life. It just all, it talks about um, finding your new purpose, you know, cause all of us, like I mentioned is, More than athlete, So finding your new passion, your new purpose, figuring out your target audience, just like how you did, you figuring out what college you want to attend. And once you attend, how are you going to choose which option you want to do? Right. And then how are you going to climb? like say you do. A lot of people go corporate right after. Right. They don't just necessarily get into entrepreneurship. They go corporate. So how do you climb the corporate ladder and then branch the corporate into your own thing? Right, so it teaches you those skill sets within it, and so that's what pressure no match for purpose is. It's just a guide, just helping athletes transition from one field to the next because we all go cool through the pressures of trying to make it, you know, anxiety, depression, anxiety through everything that encompasses in our journey. But it's no pressure, uh, or it's no match for the purpose that we have in our lives to be the best human beings that we could possibly be. So that's what the book series is all about, in a nutshell.
0: So. How did you navigate yourself there, Kev? Kind of like, without having this manual, but again, you were able to do that. You were able to figure out, hey, what's important to you? You were still able to stick true to your values. You were able to use numerous vehicles in your life to say, hey, this is who I am. And be able to advance your career after being a student athlete. So what was it that helped you throughout your journey? I think it was the relationships
1: that I had. That's what helped me. And relationships is currency to me. So like my mother, my relationship with my mother, you know, she's the driving factor of why I kept going and and, uh, overcoming adversity because I wanted to show her that through all the sacrifices that she made in order to get me in the position that I'm in, like, I wanted to show her that it amounted to something, like all the sacrifices. And then, you know, my fiance. Like she helped me along the way through everything—the times where I feel like the lowest thing in the world to the times where I felt like I was on the highest of high—you know—she was able to help me balance everything to keep on progressing through it. And so she's one of the big reasons why I have two degrees. To be very honest with you, uh, she was a student athlete herself and was a highly sought after recruit. And due to her injury in college, she had to retire. And so she went through the process before me. And so. She aided me on my process because I had to see her give up something she'd been doing for her whole life and have to go straight. At least I had a chance to go back to it, you know. Yeah. And so seeing her situation, it made me feel like, man, I'm, I'm lucky because I have a chance to get back. She had to medically retire because of her knee, And so it gave me a different perspective. It gave me a re- refreshness of, man, let's go. Let's go. And so she helped me through it. My coaches You know, uh, my coaches put me in a grand position. of They used to call me the leader of the leaders. And so being that, I was always in the forefront of the media, having to speak to different people. And so every time I speak to different people in the media is a different connection. And so those connections helped me, you know, broaden my, my, my sphere of, you know, who I need to talk to. And so now I say relationships is the key. Like I mentioned, relationships to currency for everything It was the key for me to, you know, if I feel low, someone was able to, you know, bump me up to notch to be more balanced. And then if I'm too high, people know how to bring me down and let me know, like, hey, check yourself
0: a little bit, you know. So um, it was those relationships that helped me out a lot. And that's a big point that I want to also talk about there as well in terms of you've allowed yourself to be very vulnerable to the world to show, you know, I've gone through counseling, I've gone through depression, I've gone through injuries. And again, go back to your first book, 24, which was narrative and a story about the life journey mm-hmm. of your mother going through lupus and a kidney transplant. Mm-hmm. I can only imagine the emotions and the raw emotions she must experience when going through that. Man. Yeah. I, I, I still remember
1: it vividly, man. Like, uh, you know, when I was younger... It was late at night. I was just woke up. It was the middle of the night. And on the other side of our thin wall, you know, I heard sobbing, uh, muttering and erratic breathing coming from the other side of the wall. And so I get out of bed, I put my ear to it. And as I listened closely, like the sobbing became more frequent and intensified with each second. And the more and more I heard it, I could just feel my body just getting heavier and heavier to the point where I just eventually just dropped down to the ground because my mother just was crying because, of all the things that she was going through financially, physically, mentally, you know, emotionally, everything. And she didn't have at that time, nobody to share that with because she was going through lupus and lupus is a chronic disease to where there's no cure for it. And so the only way to, to find a way to manage that is to figure out coping strategies through speaking to other people and seeing how they cope with it. And so that kind of gave me the idea of because of my mom, And because of other people helping her, figuring out how to cope with her illness, it made me think like, well, dang, even though I don't have lupus, I do have things that I need to manage and cope with. And the way she was able to help herself was talking to other people. So if I need to better myself, I need to talk to other people and be vulnerable and open. And it wasn't until my mom was vulnerable and open about her issues when, um, until she, it wasn't until she was vulnerable, open until you know she began to get better and begin more tips and strategies to better her health. And so, you know, I, I tell that with anybody, you know, that for me seeing my mom like that and being so stubborn and to herself, not being vulnerable, not being open with what problems that she was having, it was actually doing herself a disservice. And the more she opened up and been became vulnerable and allowed her to connect with different people, ultimately helping her out and feel much better in herself.
0: And it's just the thing going back to the stigma again, the stigma of, okay, we got to keep it in. We got to be strong. You know, I think, I think a lot of ways mothers and athletes are the same idea of, Oh, can't show weakness, can't back down. Got to be the caretaker. Got to be the one that takes care of everyone else. That warrior mentality in a lot of ways. Yep. And I think like I said, just based on what you said, this Is how we do shatter that stigma. We allow ourselves to be vulnerable, we show others as okay, we show others the benefit of being able to take down our armor and be open to help and being able to say, Hey, you know what, I need some help right now. Yep, yep, you know, having daughters,
1: you know, because I have two daughters, I have a five year old and a two year old, and so I, I let them see me cry, you know, because I, I want them to know, like, man, daddy is like, yes, daddy's strong, but daddy knows how to show emotion, like, daddy. You know, and so I want them to, to experience those type of feelings with me, um, so that you know I can be able to talk through it uh, to them. You know, and so and just being open, and so uh, that, that's that's key. And as I keep on growing older, you know, the more vulnerable I become, you know, whether it's through anybody, through strangers, whatever, you know, after we built that rapport and I opened up, you know, it's been you know leaps and bounds of what I was able to accomplish not only for myself, just through one simple conversation of you know having with someone.
0: And I think that is what strength is. That is, you know, showing I am strong because I'm trying not to show emotion. I'm trying enough to break down the ideology of what being a man is or being a student athlete is or being this strength. It's okay, strength is showing emotion. hmm Without a doubt. And that's that's crazy. This is crazy how
1: how, how the irony between is like, man, being strong is showing your weaknesses, you know. So yeah. it's pretty crazy how uh how that how that works
0: yeah if it's so easy then we just do it but again it's showing strength to do it is what the strength is in itself mm-hmm. exactly exactly okay one thing we do here on course Tell Wells as well is what we call the rapid questions just kind of first things kind of come to mind for yourself in your opinion what would be the top bucket list thing you'd like to see yourself kind of grow into in the next five years whoo man one thing
1: I would like to see myself grow into is I want to be everywhere to where I can make an impact on those kids that feel like they don't have a shot in the world. Um, that that really tugs at me, especially I see these high school kids and they, I can see the potential in them and they can't see it in themselves. So I want to be able to maximize my exposure to where they can know that I have a chance. I have a shot. And that's sort of kind of going back to the book is that I I want that for them so that they can feel like they they do deserve a shot and they do have an opportunity. So five years from now, you know, as I keep on putting my foot to the pavement and reaching out and trying to get more and more exposure, that's my goal for me is to help others flourish and know that they have the opportunity and chance to become whatever they want to become.
0: And in saying that too, where can people find your book? So I'm sure we got less listeners out there who are wondering, hey, you know what? This is something I need. Or coaches or trainers out there saying, hey, this is something that my athletes need. Where can people find your book and your speaking opportunities there as well? Yeah, so on my website, kennethscott.me. Um, there's a whole bunch of
1: tabs on there at the top where it has, you know, books, speaking, my music. Um, so if you want to buy a book, you can go on the books tab and it will click you or direct you to the Amazon link page to where you can get it. If you got prime, you can get it next day. Uh, <laughs> and then my speaking engagements, you can click the speaking tab and then below you can also see my TED talk and you you can download my speaker one sheet where it has all my information to get in contact with
0: me. And so that those are the ways that people can um, be able to reach me and find Perfect. We'll definitely include all that information in the notes there as well so people can find all the information. They can get the book. I'll be honest, I'm excited to get get my copy there. I'm in the midst of order there as well. So like I said, I've definitely got to take a good read of this because I'm really excited to hear. I'll be honest, I apologize because I thought it was four different books, but I'm really excited to hear It's kind of all in one there as well. Mm-hmm. Yep, for sure, for sure. Uh, and look, I'll do you one better, man. You just send me your address,
1: and, and I'll send you a copy of one. I get some, I get a, a bulk of them tomorrow Saturday. uh. So I get a bulk of them Saturday. So you let me know, send me your address, and I'll send you
0: one directly for me. Appreciate. Well, I appreciate it. Why would you say is one message you wish that someone had told you at a younger phase of life in your career? Stop. Man, I would say – stop
1: downgrading your own potential and abilities for me I have for sometimes I have this fearness of being audacious and putting myself out there because I have some what of an imposter syndrome I say Mm -hmm. in a way I don't feel at times I deserve it even though I, I do deserve it and so if I If I were to go back and I would tell that little kid, you know, and obviously me, like, you're worth it and you deserve every bit of it. Keep going, keep growing through the process and keep being audacious. And as long as you commit to something and and stay consistent, everything that you dreamed of will be yours. So that's what I would tell my younger self is be audacious to all your goals, dreams
0: and aspirations. And I think that's something that so many young athletes need to hear as well because, again, there's so much pressure, there's so much self-doubt, and there's so much lack of understanding in terms of what athletes need and how to be a well-rounded and holistic coach and trainer to our young athletes today. Mm-hmm. Without a doubt, man. And one of the things, because um, I coached 7-on-7 football
1: out here uh, in the off season before, and one thing I always tell these guys, like, And once you recognize your gift, start utilizing it ASAP so that you can not only leave a blessing for yourself, but for others, you know, because what you contribute to the world can, that you think is just impacting you, but really it's not, it's impacting someone else's too. And as if, and if they continue to see you grinding and continue to see uh, you putting out what you're putting out, that may be the missing puzzle that they need to put in their frame to, you know, have the whole picture, to see the whole picture. And so that's why I was. That's why I would tell people as well. It's just her, once you recognize your gift, man, put it to use and utilize it so that you can be able to give back.
0: So important, so strong as well. And this is my favorite question I ask here on Port Wellness. In your opinion, what makes a well athlete? Man, what makes a well athlete? In my opinion, what makes a well
1: athlete is being emotionally intelligent and competent to every range of emotion that you may experience you know uh, have the awareness the desire to change emotions if they're not adding any type of value to you basically increase your knowledge so that you can be able to change what needs to be changed and also to prevent things that need to prevent and just know that you have the ability to overcome any ob- um, adversity and so it just keep reinforcing it so as far as a wellness athlete i will say that you know just make sure you're emotionally competent and
0: intelligent enough to be aware of all those things again you know so true in terms of knowledge power you know gaining more knowledge gaining more understanding and insight into our situation it helps us grow again, out in the field and off the field for sure Kent, i really want to say thank you again Truly appreciate you joining us here on Corsair Wellness and helping us to shatter the stigma and not the athlete. You know, through these conversations, through more and more athletes like yourself speaking up and showing, again, we are more than just athletes. We are so many vehicles in our graduates, like you say. This is how we enhance athletes' well-being on and off the court. Man, I, I
1: totally agree. And thank you for your platform, for putting exposure out there that you are more than an athlete. So huge kudos to you. Um, like you mentioned in the beginning, this does need to be incorporated. I know you mentioned high school, but even younger than that, you know, the younger, the better, uh, because we can start to mold these athletes uh, to truly have strong confidence in themselves rather than being attached to whatever that. Identity is that makes them supposedly who they are, and so man, I agree. I hope that you know people that are listening, that are watching, are really tuned in, and and, and you know reach out to you about services. You know, starting at a middle school range to further, because in middle school, a lot of kids know what they want nowadays. You know, they you know, but this technology is ramping up. So you know, I would love to see you know middle schools tap in, which high schools tap in, which college. Of course. But, you know, I feel like uh, any opportunity that um, a school or, or, or organization or institution want
0: to uh, need somebody, they need to reach out to you to show people are more than an athlete. Truly appreciate it. Like I said, we'll definitely be in touch. And like I said, you always have an open invitation to Corsair Wells to join us anytime. Keep us posted any new developments, any new books, any new speaking opportunities you have. And we'll definitely keep people posted here on at Wells Athletic Services as well. Awesome, man. Thank you so much for having me. Perfect. Stay well. You too. Folks, if you like today's episode, want to check out other episodes, you can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Audible, iHeartRadio, or wherever you find your podcasts. You can also check us out on social media, on our Instagram page, or on Facebook at Wellness Athletic Services. We also have a website now, www.wellnessathleticservices.com. If you have any ideas for the show, or recommend any athletes you'd like to check out on our show, feel free to email us at Wellness Services at gmail.com. Thank you and stay well.